My guest today is a sales director with Kaseya, having previously worked at Pluralsight, Oracle, Microsoft, Dell, amongst several others. He's been described by colleagues as, colleagues as energetic, determined, driven, and charismatic. Here's one comment from a colleague. It is a rare characteristic to naturally push others towards their best potential, that of a leader, one who inspires others by his values. David does this consistently and has always been one of the best performers in the company. His communicative joie de vivre makes a work environment a great place to work in. He is hardworking, a creative professional that brings a lot to any table. Anyone who has the opportunity to work with David will truly appreciate all he's able to help with and to help them succeed. David Martin, you're very welcome to the podcast. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up, what that was like, and how that experience shaped who you are today. Yeah, so where I grew up, where I was actually born, uh, Paul, was up around Dolphins Barn. So I don't know if you know the area, but up around that, close enough to the Liberties. I went on a double date there. You did not. Back in the 80s to the ice skating rink. And here's the thing. I was going out with this girl only, only a couple of weeks. And a friend of mine was going out with this other girl. I'm now married to the other girl 30 years next month. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, maybe Dolphins Barn had, a, had played some role in that. I don't know. There, there you go. It's good stock from there, Paul. Good stock. And believe it or not, my uncle actually used to walk in the ice rink. So he used to get free um, entry into the ice rink. And uh, he walked there for a couple of years. Great times up yeah. the ice rink. Yeah, great yeah. times up there, you know. Yeah, it would have been regarded back in the eighties. I, I presume it's still the same as a very disadvantaged area. Yeah, it's it's it would be working class. You now it'd be probably yeah, it's borderline that you know. Um, like the family I grew up in, like I'm an only child, uh, Paul. So I had my mother had multiple brothers and sisters. Their family was twelve. You know, back then, like if you hadn't had twelve, like you know, if you had less than that, um, you were seen as not a big family. So she had six brothers, six sisters, and I had the obviously the the opportunity to kind of um, with them with the brothers and sisters treat me as a brother and sister, you know. So mm. it was like it wasn't an extended family; it was a close knit family. I lived, um, as I mentioned, my first actually my first time where I lived was around the corner from the ice rink above a barber shop. So that's mm. where I lived first, and that was where my um, my mother brought me up across from the Kilm Hospital. Um, my schooling was all up around James Street too. So I went to James Street CBS from a young age. And um, one big mistake I done was left school at junior cert. Um, so I basically got a summer job, Paul, um, in where my mother worked in KPMG. She worked there as a, a kitchen porter. So I got a summer job there. Took the summer job, earned a few bob. Didn't end up going back to uh, to college, I oh, sorry, to secondary school. And what I done was then from that, that was my first ever job. So it was like kitchen porter, clean mm. the dishes, you know, and um, Monday, Friday. Moved from that then, I went into another um, job called Elliot's Cash and Carry. So I walked there again. My mother got me the job in there too. Um, but like from the very, very outset, you know, it was like for me, Working in them two jobs, they, they kind of gave me the kind of backbone that I needed because it was tough work. Okay, yeah. it was. Um, and yeah. 
my mother never pushed me in a sense of to get a job, even though she put the foundations in for me to go to them kind of companies and work in there. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was it was funny because when I was working in Elliott's and Cash and Carly, I was working there for about a year and a half, you know, and um, I just, you know, I realized that I wanted a little bit more, you know, um, I was, I was, I was young, you know, I should have never left school. Um, but I did, we all make mistakes. And um, I end up then, believe it or not, it's a funny story for you. I end up going down to, do you remember the, the FOSS? Remember FOSS years ago? Foss, Foss, Foss. Foss, it was it, it was it, it was it was a government body where you'd go. And what oh, all happen- right, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was thinking of uh, like the circus, you know, the Fawcett Circus. Sorry, no, Foss, absolutely. No. I know, yeah, another giant sinkhole of public funds, but anyway, go yeah. on. <laughs> I applied to the circus and they rejected me, Paul. So, yeah, I couldn't get a job there. <laughs> so, um, I went down there and I saw the role that was going for a junior office administrator. So um, basically went for that role and uh, went to a company called DBFL. They were actually consultant engineers. Probably shouldn't be saying this, but I'll tell you what. I went in thinking the role was going to be um, a photocopying apprenticeship. Because back then, all my uncles were working in the photocopying shops. They used to walk down that. And it was a good job at the time. So I went in on the emphasis thinking that's what it was going to be. Mm. And I had a really, really good interview with my... Um, my boss after that called John Meany. And uh, John goes, you know a bit about the role? I said, yeah, so it's a, it's an office junior. I'm going to be doing a lot of work with photocopiers. I'm going to be helping, obviously, your team out um, printing. Um, eventually, then I could become a, a, a photocopier myself in regards to moving. He goes, no, Dave, Dave, the role is actually an office junior. We're an engineering company, he said, and what you will do eventually is you will become a structural CAD technician. So I just then... Backtrack straight away. I said, oh, okay. Yeah. Are you still interested? And I know you just wanted to get out of the, the cash and cardio. I was in. I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely still interested. So to be honest, it put me in a good, a good obviously, path. Um, because I ended up going in there as an office junior, working my way up then to being actually a junior CAD technician. So obviously working on engineering projects, civil engineering projects. Um, and then I ended up becoming a structural CAD technician there as well. So the good thing was on that, Paul was that um John gave me the opportunity to go back to college. I wanted to go back and do my leaving series. Yeah. I was gonna ask you that, Dave, because that sounds like as far away from being a sales leader in a B2B business as you can get. <laughs> so you're gonna have to help us with the breadcrumbs <laughs> on yeah. how you got from that to this. Oh yeah, 100 percent So so obviously with that, then unfortunately, um I went back to my leaving cert. Got my results, which is great. Went on to college. Part time now, were you the even third? Yeah, did a part time. Yeah, did part time. So went back part time to Pierce College in Crumlin. Um, I only done a couple of subjects, Paul. Didn't do the full. So I done Mm. English, Maths, Geography, and Art, and because I was in the engineering industry. Mm. And so unfortunately, um, with the obviously the bust in the economy, then back in two thousand and eight, like civil engineering, because we were in the construction industry, that went obviously that the clients. Um, and what happened was I was made redundant um, from that. So how did I kind of rethink what I wanted to do? You know, it was a bit like at the time I was living at home with my mother. I'm the only child. There was opportunities potentially to go to Australia and Canada. And honestly, Paul, at the time I was still young enough, like I was still only 22, 23. And I didn't really want to move that far away, mm. to be honest. 
I didn't want to move that far away. It was something that I didn't want at the time. So I've always been interested in training. I've always been interested in the gym, in the fitness. I've done football from a from a, um, a young age. But um, what I decided to do was, after some thinking, was get into the personal training and fitness industry. Mm. So did that, went and did a course in the um, National Training Centre over in Dorset Street, got my qualifications, mm. um, had a mm. friend of mine, Anthony. Speaking about going to Australia, by the way, and yeah. traveling, you still haven't left the north side at this stage. I'm a south side, Paul. No, are you? Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. it's far the south side. Of course, it is. Ah, uh, yes, yes, of course, it is. How many teases? Just for other people listening to this, won't even have a clue what I mean by north side, south side. We're still yeah. talking about central Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> to a country like me, like Dublin was a metropolis. You know, that yeah, was travel. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. sorry, I, I, I rudely interrupted you, Dave. You sorry, you were in the no, middle no, of. No, no worries. And it's funny you mentioned that because um, I'll tell you a bit of a story about that when I was in another company called Pluralist, about the bit of band that we had from the north to the south side. So, yeah. Yeah. so in any of you. Back in the gym. Or sorry, the, the gym. Yeah, yeah, back in the gym. So, end up getting a personal trainer role in the gym, raw condition gym. So, I was working there for a couple of years, really enjoyed it, enjoyed the environment. And you know what? Again, um, I started to think to myself, you know, my friends, all my friends were in sales. They were in tech sales. At the time, tech was booming. Obviously, Google mm. were coming here. Microsoft were here already. You know, large tech companies were investing massively um, in Ireland and especially in Dublin. So I had a couple of conversations with my friend about kind of moving into that and what I needed to do. So my first step was, Paul, okay, while I was in the gym, I went back to Ring Zen College. I'd done mm. a course in PC maintenance and communication, just to give me a little bit of an understanding of like how hardware works, how software works, and mm. give me an understanding the IT landscape. And um, if you ask me a question about it now, I probably wouldn't be able to answer. But we mm. we we done that for about a year and a half. Um, and what I done then was Paul. I was looking at a couple of different options of where I could start off in my sales career. And look, mm. I was under no illusions that I had to start off really, really uh, somewhere mm. kind of fast pace call center yeah. you know somewhere that will give yeah. you some character get used to rejection okay but ho hold up for a second because there's something in in this story that i want to draw out mm. there's there's a common thread here which is centers around you've had many jobs from yeah. you know working as an office junior being in the cash and carry and so on and now being a very different one as a fitness yeah. instructor but in all of those, you're pushing yourself to something bigger and better or different yeah. all of the time. And you're going back to school to do your leaving search. You went back to do this fitness training course. And now you're doing this IT course. Where does that drive come from? Where does that sense of the, the desire to educate yourself beyond where you are currently? Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's something personal to me. And where it comes from, Paul, is my mother. You know, she's always, always, like as I mentioned earlier on, she never drove me to do, like push me to do it. She always let me learn by my own mistakes, you know. And mm. I always, what I always refer back to is, and it's kind of, I've had this conversation with a couple of people, like, you know, my purpose is to make my mother proud. That's what I've always lived by, to make her proud. Like, I, um, like, I'm driven by money, okay, I am. I am driven by money. I'm driven by a better life. But, like, the thing that gets me out of bed every morning is just to kind of make my mother happy. And, you know, she 
So yeah, yeah I, I want you to talk to me a little bit more about her. Was she a single mother? She was a single mother, yeah. Yeah, single and mother, brought, yeah. So brought you up alone. That can't yeah. have been easy. So no. talk to me about her characteristics, her traits that you yeah. most admire in her. Yeah, hundred percent. So her work ethic was unbelievable, Paul. Like, like I remember as a kid, as a kid when I was between ten and twelve, she would work three jobs. You know, she'd have a job yeah. in the from obviously eight to four. Then I remember going around, we're out in the offices on the Harcourt Street, helping her do the um, the office clean up. Okay, so she'd mm. do that as well. She'd probably kill me for saying this, but then she was a she was a bouncer on Copperface Jacks. Now not at the door, <laughs> on the toilet. So she would actually do that with my granddad. Actually, my granddad would do that as well. So like wow. great work ethic, great work ethic. Incredible. Now, in saying that, Paul, right? I'll be honest. Like and John Meany, my old boss in DBFL, would be testing this. I was lazy. I was very lazy back then. Okay. And differently motivated. That's what we say. Dave. Sorry. Differently, differently, differently motivated. motivated. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because since since I've since I've evolved, as you mentioned there, like my yeah. work ethic has gotten obviously yeah. a lot better. Yeah. And yeah. See, I man. this is an interesting thing because you said I was lazy. You just mm-hmm. hadn't found what it was that got you excited. I don't know that most people are lazy. I'm sure some are, but I think yeah. a lot of people, it's their put into a, an environment or into a situation that doesn't mean much to them. And it's very hard to get excited and mm. excitement is energy. So mm. you now found something that gave you a sense of confidence in yourself, a sense of pull, gra- kind of a yeah. gravitational effect towards yeah. something that was bigger than you, that, yeah. that, that you derived that motivation from without it. It, it is hard. It is yeah. hard. Tell me something. Was your mother much of a dis- disciplinarian? She wasn't. No, she wasn't. She wasn't. She wasn't that tough. She really mm. wasn't that tough. But you know what? You have sometimes where you have the pros and cons. That I think there's a lot more pros to that because mm. I don't think I'd be the person I am today if it wasn't for her. Like in regards mm. to morals, values, work ethic. Mm. You know, um, like she let me fail and go through my own mistakes, and then mm. from that, then. I was able to get some awareness from that, thankfully, to make sure that going forward, then I wouldn't make them mistakes again. So she was kind of mm. that kind of person. She would let you do um, what you need to do. And then if you did then do a mistake, you know, it's learn from Yeah, that. you got to give yourself some credit for that as well, Dave, because other people go out and make mistakes and they don't learn from them. Yeah. And mm. that's that's down to you. So you're learning from lessons and being vulnerable enough and self-reflective enough to go, look, this is not the way I want to go. I want more of this. And then having the, the guts, the courage to go and pursue those mm. because there must have been people who you hung out with at the time might have looked at you like you got two heads. Why are you doing all this? I mean, I'm guessing that, but I think it's a fair guess. Would, would you agree? So I, I, I think the good thing about it is, Paul, like I've surrounded myself with good people that has potentially got me to here. Like the, probably, mm. like as I said, the friends that I have are really, really supportive. You know, like there might have been one or two, but they never kind of projected that or said it. I don't mm. know. Um, it's not to say mm. that there wasn't. It's not to say there was, but I've been fortunate enough to have good people around me who have been supportive, have had my best interest. Um, so thankfully I haven't had that kind of, um, situation yeah. in, my, in my time, you know. Yeah, that makes it that makes all the difference in the world having the right yeah. friend. Hundred percent, yeah, without a yeah. doubt. And, yeah, and I would, 
sorry, I was going to say somebody once gave me parenting advice and it says, kids ignore parents, make sure they have good friends. Yeah. 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 And I'm grateful for that. I've got really, really good friends. I've got like one, one friend that I can mention that like helped me get on this, on this journey. He helped me with my LinkedIn profile. I didn't know what LinkedIn was at the time it only came out, you know, he was in the industry. Um, and he was just able to give me guidance anytime I needed guidance. So you're free to give him a shout out if you think he deserves it. Yeah, of course. It's Wayne Kenny. Um, it's Wayne Kenny, my mate Wayne Kenny. Yeah. So uh, he's always been there to uh, to help me. Um, and look, I've other friends as well that yeah. let me through that. But from the very, very outset of when I've moved from uh, Raw Gym into where I am now, um, yeah, I have a call with him, and he um, he's always able to give me good advice. Thankfully, nice. you know, yeah. I'm in the right track. Super. So you're in the gym, you're looking at Google and the likes of Google coming in. You're thinking about how do I get into this sector? Yeah. And you did some technology training yeah. on, I can't remember what you call it, but it was in, yeah. in that area. Mm. So then talk to me about how you got to your first sales job where you had a commission and yeah. you're making yeah. those calls. Yeah, great, great. I got my first sales job in Aircom. So again, um, my mate, uh, Wayne, we knew a good, a good guy called Collie Reynolds who worked in there um, and he was able to get me an interview in there. Even though I had so much objection, I, I applied to Zendesk, I applied to a couple of other companies as well, you know, and, but they gave me the foundation that I need and the stepping stone that I need. So it was high, 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 obviously fast pace, you know, transactional. And the good thing about Aircom is it built my character really really did you know you get in sales you need to get used to rejection you need to get used to it quick if you don't get used to it quick i think it's going to be a hard slog for you um, mm -hmm. and that gave me the foundation to get rejected multiple times and um, just get back on the horse then like i think that set me up then going forward for any other potential companies that i was working in it was like mm. okay this is what it's like here everything else could be a little bit better and once it is a little bit better you know what i mean when mm. that's good enough for me then you know and it gave me that foundation so worked there for nearly for nearly two years and um, then what it was I was like okay right i've got my i've got my experience here i need to get into somewhere tech sales okay so what can i can I do next so applied again to a couple of companies i was very fortunate to get um, a job with codec dss there on hardcore street and um, managed sales provider and um, so funny thing, I went into the interview, believe it or not, um, with Richard and Gavin McShira, and they hired me on the spot. What um, year was this in? Sorry, this was in, oh, what was it? Probably around 2000, between 2014 and 2014, oh, okay. roughly. Yeah. 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 So it yeah. was. Um, I would have known a few people in there, but that would have been maybe back in the mid noughties. So. Yeah. 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 Well, a couple of them would have been there from that time, you know, and um, mm. I called John Roddy, Larry Tobin in there. Mm. Yeah, so um so yeah, they heard me on the spot. Um I don't know where it was my funny toy. I went in with an aluminous green toy. I mean it's like Paddy's Day toy I was. So I don't know where he whether he paid me toy <laughs> or I'd done something really good in the interview. Yeah. Um, but then I was walking in there then and it was it was great because I got to walk in there as kind of um a BDR kind of inside sales. So work with marketing and get an understanding of the IT landscape. They were the Microsoft partner, um, and they had obviously other partners as well, like Dell and um, other companies too. So it was really, really good to get the grounding in there. And um, again, walked in there for about roughly about a year and a half. Walked in there for, and uh, got an opportunity then to move to Dell. 
and I'll backtrack here because I think what I need to say is like my goal when I left the gym, Paul, was always to work for a large, obviously, multinational company, IT company. Mm. Why is that? Why, why, why is, is it the large? Yeah. I, I, I understand the technology bit, but yeah. why the big corporate? What is in that that attracts you? I think it's, I think it's because the, the learnings you will get and the progression and the growth that you will get in there. Um, mm. Now, I'm not saying all companies are like that, but I just felt from my own perspective that I'd learn a lot more than them companies from a lot of experienced yeah. people. I did learn loads in quality assess as well. Don't get yeah. me wrong, lots of that. But I just felt from me, I had a lot to learn from a sales perspective and that if I was in around a bunch of people um, like in Dell, I'd learn a lot more um, and have managers mm. around me as well to help me um, to progress as well. That was my outlook on it. Mm. Well, it makes sense, you know. Um, and so, you're what, t- talk to me a little bit of what you're doing in Dell. You're still in the sales role because I want what I want to do is get to the management side mm-hmm. of things and when you're getting into a, a leadership role and what that was like and mm-hmm. how it was different to what you expected. Yeah, yeah. So, what I was doing in Dell was inside sales, I was working with a field rep over in the UK and um, managing accounts with them. So, it was, um, it was obviously a lead generation BDR stroke closing role as well. So I was working that for about a year and a half. Um, and like for me, it was just, it was great to get in there and get a deeper understanding of the whole sales cycles and mm. get obviously an understanding of kind of how different techniques and different people work as well. Um, and then if you want me to move on, then I'll, I'll let you know kind of regards to Microsoft got a role with them. Um, so basically moved off after that after about a year and a half um, in Microsoft for a couple of months. That was a contract basis. Um, and similar similar role again, Paul, in there, you know, the same yeah. um, sales role in there. And then after that, I went into Oracle and worked in there for maybe a year and a half. Um, Stop there for just a second, if you don't mind, Dick, because what I've noticed is that you've been through... Dell, Microsoft, DSS, yeah. Oracle, and in all of them you said I worked about a year and a half. Yeah. So it seems to be a very kind of there's almost a cadence to your career. Yeah. Um, how conscious was that in terms of timing? Did you go in with that in mind to these jobs, or were you you just got to a stage and you just felt and I, I need something different? No, great question. And you know what? I'm always very very conscious of that when I look at my profile and see that the longevity on it is like just. A short time and look when you when you take into consideration the longevity in, in tech sales now is probably it's probably two years it's not so bad but mm. to revert back to your question i, I just do you know what paula was like for me i just felt that every step that i took was a step for me moving forward and a step mm. for me to grow and learn more you know yeah i probably look at i probably should have spent a bit more time in dell you know and if i could mm. turn back time I probably would spend maybe another year, year and a half in Dell before I move on. But we, we learn, as you said, we learn from mistakes. Like we, when Microsoft comes knocking, it's hard to turn down, especially when, you know, you're in your career, maybe a couple of years and you have a goal of working for these kind of companies and getting different learnings from them as well. Um, and then yeah, with the Microsoft and the Oracle situation, like, what happened at that time was it was obviously personal aspect happened to me at that time when I was working in Microsoft and mm. I started to kind of think then okay I need more security and stability you know not to say that I didn't have it there but it was something that like 
I didn't know when it was going to potentially happen because I was on a contract basis in there, you know. Um, and like if I had it, for, like you can't see in the future, but if I had it for seeing what was going to happen to me, I probably would have stayed in Dell. Hence the reason why I said moving on there mm. was a mistake. But yeah, so that's the reason why, like you know. And then if I if I look at the reason why I done with the Yarlow goal and to give you the context around that. It was an opportunity to work for Pluralsoy, who was investing heavily in here in EMEA, building out their, their Dublin function. And like for me, when I got into sales, I had a goal of obviously being an accountant as yet, but I also had a goal of getting into management too. That's what the end goal was and maybe yeah. five to 10 years time. And I felt with moving the Pluralsoy with the skills and obviously what I've learned before in the past could help me get into management a lot quicker because mm. where they are in their growth phase was very, very infancy, you know, and mm. they were building out teams. And there was, I always think I was number 25 or 30, I think it was in, in, uh, in plural site. So there was a mm. massive, massive opportunity considering where it was in Oracle. It was a massive machine, great company to work for, but I felt in plural site, I could move up into that position a lot quicker um, than I could in, um, in Oracle or, and you to come so that's the reason why i've done that meal from mm. um article to plural site mm. what would they like to work for plural site mm. i i don't i only ask because i don't like, know much about oh, them at no, all okay. i know about oracle and some of the others but yeah so so one thing one thing that plural site did for me was encouraged me to be myself you know like mm. like the background that you come from you know and like sometimes you have to kind of be for me like there's sometimes there has to be a perception that you have to promote yourself in a sense of mm. like, you know, but for, from Pluralist's perspective, they just made me feel like that I could be myself, you know, mm. and their culture was brilliant. And they were very, very, leadership was very good. The company itself, how they look after employees, you know, they show a lot of empathy, a lot of compassion, um, and they do um, put their employees first. That's one thing mm. I can say about them. Always put their employees first. Great company to work yeah. for. Really, I highly recommend them. Yeah. Coming from a background like yours. Yeah. Can 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 create obstacles, uh sometimes conceptual obstacles in yeah. terms of you know what we believe we could aspire to, for example. Mm. And you look to role models around you and you tend to reflect those. Mm. Do you feel now looking back with say 10 years experience under your belt, that was a that those perceived as others might people perceive obstacles real or actually was it helpful? Yeah. So in some cases it was real. Um, but in, in other cases it did help me to drive on as well. You know, like mm. I said, there was, there was one situation where I was in a company and I walked in on a dress down Friday and um, I was asked to cover cause I have tattoos. So I was asked mm. to cover the tattoos, you know, and, um, mm. And I was like, okay, Grant, I can understand that. But look, listen, the 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 they gave me the context behind of why they asked me to do that is because they wanted me to kind of be able to eventually move up the ladder and didn't want anything to get a hold against me. So some cases, yeah, it, it can harm you in the sense of and some cases for me it was helpful because it just drove me on more to be like who I am and just keep on driving to be to achieve more than I am that I want to achieve. Yeah. I would have thought a lot of certainly modern companies nowadays, if you're not wearing beanie hats and have tattoos, you're just not cool. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Now. Yeah. On top of a couple of years ago. So when it yeah. comes tattoos, it's not that long ago. Yeah. Like you're still a very young man. So. Yeah. Well, thanks, yeah. Paul. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> it's all. It's all relative. Yeah. It's all relative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's wow. That's interesting. And and th- I'm just curious about that. Was it? Were you in a customer-facing role? Were they worried about what customers would think, or was it just a judgment that they had? No, I don't. No, I don't think it was a judgment that they had. To be honest, I don't think it was that. It was. It was. It was an inside sales role. It wasn't a customer yeah. facing role. And yeah. look, at, honestly, um, my opinion is that they wanted the best for me, and they didn't want anything yeah. to be in my way, um, or anybody else who had them obviously preconceptions yeah. to block yeah. me from anything moving forward. Like that was the reason why. You know? So they never had a problem with your nipple piercings. No, 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 none of that. No, no. Even though you could see it through my obviously net T-shirt at the time when I walked in. <laughs> nice one. Oh, I like what you did there. Hats <laughs> off to you, sir. Hats off to you. <laughs> now what? Now I'm beginning to get some real insight into how you have made it so far. Yeah, that's cool. You find that you have to have that sense of humor, that sense of it's almost self-deprecation, but it's also it's also a real skill. That when somebody tries to now, I'm only joshing, but I can imagine somebody might try to put somebody down, and that ability to just say, you know, whatever, and just not let it affect you. Yeah. I'm curious, is is where does that come from? Yeah, we always from, like that. Yeah, do you know what it comes from, uh, Paul? I go back obviously to my childhood. It comes from like the childhood of messing around with friends, people giving oh. stick to each other, slacking off each other. You know, you. you <laughs> For me, when I was a kid, like the slightness that I get as a kid are a lot more than what people kind of comment on now, if they did ever comment on it. So I just brush it off, like, you know, um, I've thick skin, thankfully, you know, it's, it doesn't bother me, but it's, it's come from the childhood, like messing with Ooh. your mates, slagging with your mates, the things that your friends used to say to you, you know, um, like used to be way out there, way Ooh. out there. So that build up over time, you yeah. know, so it prevents me from taking anything that anybody says it's with a pinch of salt, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's them, not me. That's the way I look at it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a real superpower because when you see people who take things to heart too easily and have that thin skin, then you see that it's a real vulnerability and not in the positive sense. So yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Talk to me then a little bit about that role. Now let's move into leadership where, yeah. The skill sets are very different to what makes you good in sales are not the same. Mm. And and there's often a period, certainly talking to people like, like yourself, they'll tell me about this year that they had between starting a sales management job and really getting it, that that the, their, their strategies and tactics just weren't working for them. And I'm curious to know what your journey was like. Yeah, it's exactly the same, like, you know, for... For me, the first six months were very, very hard. Like, and I think when I was going into from being an individual contributor to being a sales leader, there was obviously people managing skills, dealing with conflict, you know, um, and that was the real big challenge for me going into the role. And I think at the very outset, like you know yourself, different different people have different personalities. They really mm. do. Like, and even though for me, what I did as an account is that worked successfully. You can't push that onto people because everybody works differently and you have to understand how people work as well. So for me, like the first six months are very challenging. I think the um, 
the thing that stood for me going into that leadership role, um, Paul, was like setting the expectations with the team, with the people in regards to what they can expect from me, mm. but also asking what can I expect from them um, and being able to kind of communicate that efficiently um, and let them know. Like it mm. did help me prevent to have any dealings with conflict. The people management aspect of it, I found was easier because you're letting them know exactly who you are, what you do. But also what stood to me was is that when I had a conversation with anybody, I always said to them, look, listen, no matter what we go through and how we go through it, honesty is always the best policy with me. And if you're honest with me, I will be fully honest with you. And I think that built the trust, like that, that built the connection. Um, and that helped me then as, as to mature as a leader, because when it came to a situation, they knew they could actually be upfront and honest with me rather than hold anything back. And they knew that, like, I was a sales rep before and I went through their challenges. And I showed a lot of empathy with them, Paul, as well. So with the couple of traits that they're on that, like, put yourself, and I always believe you should put yourself in the person's shoes to see where they're coming from. And I think all them kind of attributes and them aspects um, helped me move along in after my first year my first six months were very very tough very tough but after that um it was it got a lot easier then have you any insight to share with me on why companies consistently because your story is very familiar to me so mm-hmm. many it's that first six months that first year there's a transition where they find it difficult why companies don't prepare people before they take up the role, six yeah. months before they start in a leadership role, that they should enroll them and, and, and show them what to expect and give them the skills to yeah. deal with it so that they're not losing all this time. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't understand it. Yeah, no, like, look, to be honest, I think it's because a lot of, a lot of situations are different. I think companies grow really, really quick. And, like, from my perspective, like, in any company I've worked in, like they've only had a couple of people in there from an end perspective. They're only building out the framework, only building out kind of the, the the strategy, the functions of what you should do. You know, and I think it's a to be, I think it's a case where like that, it's the what I would do if I was then would I do a lot of kind of I would bring obviously the leaders into a kind of a focus group and ask them what they need from the very outset and then build um our framework and our structure around that. And I think sometimes companies in general leader from what it's done from where their hq is in the us and they think that will work over mm. in EMEA. and they just need sometimes i think paul is to listen to more to the people that are on the ground in regards to leaders mm. it's like what i do with my with my team okay i have a brainstorming session every week with my team what challenge you're going through what can we do how can we fix it you know getting feedback all the time constantly I think can help that and i think some companies may not do that um consistently and that's the reason why maybe it doesn't it doesn't happen from the very outset it might happen in six or seven months time but not from the very outset and plus mm. when companies are on a, a massive growth phase as well it's mm. there's so many moving parts too so i think there's a couple of couple mm. of um, see aspects to why it doesn't go well straight away mm. As, 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 and, and I'm interested in the bit where you said that you do this brainstorming session where mm. there's any problems or challenges uh, for people listening to this who are in the same boat. Do you mind if I share something I learned recently that I think is really useful? This was just a great framework. I loved it. Yeah. Some of my colleagues were doing these, what they call VIPs, okay. which were uh, weekly victories. What mm. went well this week? 
Uh, impending events, something coming up that you want to get ready for and you need some help or insight or second opinions on. You just want to run it by, like a sounding board type of thing. Yeah. And the, the P is uh, problems, something that you're stuck with. Yeah. And I just thought that was a really nice way of framing those conversations around VIPs and yeah. kind of started to integrate that now into, into training. Yeah. Um, as well. Great structure to have. Really, really. Yeah. Now. Yeah. It's an easy one to remember. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take yeah. that on board. I'll use yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, what did you learn most about yourself? Where, as, yeah, I, I was going to say as, as you moved into the leadership role, but just as you moved from um, cash and carry. To yeah. where you are now, what have you learned most about yourself that when you look back and you go, here's what I'm most proud of? Yeah, so I think like what I learned most about myself was that like I'm persistent and I have got grit, you know, and I think what I've learned most and anything is just to treat people how you like to be treated too. And I think that mm. goes a long way. Um, and like, like if I go a little bit further than that, like, you know, I think that for me, I always believe that if you have a positive mindset and you always look at the glass half full, you will always get to where you want to. So what I've learned most is to always look that way. Like even though there might be a lot of challenges, you might be facing a lot of roadblocks, you know, like as I mentioned, the first six months in my in my management position, I was pulling my hair out for the six months. I was like, didn't know, I was like, am I doing this right? Am I adding value? You know, and um, I always had to like, get reassurances sometimes from my colleagues to make sure it was, but you know, I've learned from that, that them, them six months are challenging and um, like in all aspects of life. But if you have the mindset, the positive mindset, positive attitude, you can actually overachieve. I know it's corny, but you can actually overachieve anything. Won't you keep on working mm. on the, at the bigger picture. Mm. And how do you maintain that when you have so many things in life that are conspire? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think you know what it is Paul it's reflection you know how you maintain that is on reflection I think what you need to do is is that sometimes we can get so caught up in the future of what's coming and then get caught up in the past of what's happened and we don't spend enough time in the present I think mm. and for me it's like if I am having one of them days I take a step back and I be in the present and that's like one thing that I will always do, you know, and I can't say I do it all the time, don't get me wrong. My girlfriend will say different, right? She'll say different. She's <laughs> but that's what yeah. I always try to do. And when I do do that, you know, it helps me then by doing the reflection. Whether it be like, okay, I'm not gonna say I reflect every day. I don't I don't have a diary yet, but when mm. I do that, it does help. Yeah. And um talk to me then a little bit about what you do to unwind and relax. Yeah, so I run, I go to the gym, um, I enjoy going out with my girlfriend for a bite to eat a meal, um, and yeah, what else do I like? I like cycling, I like going swimming in the 40 foot when it's not raining, um, so yeah, there are a couple of things that I love doing. Love All right, doing. There's, there's two questions I have, first one yeah. is the easy one. You're getting into it, why does the rain bother you, it's just another form of wet. Well, do you know, do you know what it does? Okay, it's a case of that because where I'm living at the moment, if I have to cycle all the way out, I'm getting wet twice. I'd rather just get wet once. Right. Okay. <laughs> all right, that makes sense. So it's more about coming back. All right, and the other one, other one yeah. is 
you were trained as a personal trainer and you worked yeah. in a gym, I think you said for two years. Yeah. When you're in the gym and you see somebody, <laughs> <laughs> how hard is it not to walk over to them and say, hey, buddy, listen, you might want to listen to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> do you know what? It, it, it was the start, but I'm starting to get used to not being able to do that now. You know, it was the start of like going over and just say, right, just stop there. This is how you do it. Like, well, you know, I think, Going back to what I always say, you let people learn from their own kind of uh, mistakes and see what yeah. happens. Yeah, but when somebody's it. wrecking their back, for example, that can be that's a that could be a catastrophic mistake. Yeah, yeah. and they and they don't know it immediately. What I'm also interested in is you said you did it in the early days. There's yeah. a reason why you stopped doing it. Um, do you know what it was? It was the fact that when I was when I was thinking about it, it was because we stopped doing it on on. Decided what I'm doing now, or no, no, no. What I mean is that you were saying that when you'd see somebody in the gym, oh, yeah, with, with poor movement, that you'd yeah. go over and give them some advice, yeah, yeah, unasked yeah. for advice. Yes, <laughs> you no longer do that. I'm just wondering, was there a particular reason why you stopped giving that? Because it's a good thing to help people, of course, it is. of course, of course, it is. Like, I haven't came across anybody not doing it now at the moment. Um, in the gym I'm in which is one reason and look listen the other reason as well is that you know you never know what who has showed them what they're doing they could have been shown that by somebody who is a friend of theirs or a person trainer mm. might, and they might think it's the right way to do it you know um, and plus mm. I've been out of the game I might be telling them the wrong thing to do as well Paul <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just wonder did you get much pushback when like because sometimes you can give free advice to somebody and yeah they're kind of going yeah 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 what do you know yeah yeah i didn't i didn't have any of them situations i think the reason why i didn't was because the way i used to do it was i had a trick to do and i'd go over and ask them could i obviously um walk in with them i might be walking in with them i'd be doing it in a different way and then they'd uh, ask them the question of what way i was doing it compared to what way they were doing it so that's the that's way I smart. Used to do it. and you obviously looked apart you obviously look what they aspire to so there's another yeah. It's funny when I started when I started training, Paul, I was probably around what 16 and a half stone. Yeah. You know, so oh, I was really wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I have I have a picture there, Paul. It's funny. My mates always slag me. I have a picture where I look like Elvis Presley's son. <laughs> <laughs> Could you sing like him? No, 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 no. Couldn't sing yeah. like him. I tried to sing like him, but when I do sing, wow. I hear the dogs barking. Paul, you know, I'm not. I love karaoke, yeah. but I can't sing. <laughs> you're you're a remarkable person, Dave. It's an extraordinary to find somebody who has such levels of self awareness, drive, determination, and ability to pivot their life. Whether it's losing weight, mm. getting educated, moving careers, mm. to to have that sense of I don't want to call it control because we have less, far less control in our own lives than we actually think we do. Yeah. But certainly a sense of command, maybe, over the direction your life is taken. Mm -hmm. I hope your girlfriend appreciates it. Yeah, yeah. Sure, this recording, I think she should. I'm sure she does. I'm sure she does. I'm going to send it on to her as well. Don't worry. I'm going to, I'm going to hurry it up, actually, so she can hear you. Say it once more time. <laughs> You're an extraordinary man. Uh, thank you very much. And I mean that sincerely. It's it's a lot of people, and and I've interviewed a few of them. And what they, what you'll often notice is that they try to 
justify or rationalize how they do things or why they do things the way they do without really reflecting on it and going, am I doing what's best for me, best for my family, best for my community? Could I do better? Should I be doing something else? And having that conversation with yourself and, uh, and, and understanding, and as you said it, that within reason, everything is possible. You can certainly reach way past uh, your, your current uh, con confines in terms yeah. of your life. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you're only allowed one girlfriend. That's, that's, that's one of those exceptions. Yes, correct. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think it's 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 true what you say there, like um Paul, if you have if you have got the persistence, great look, I think like just going back from my perspective, like you know, leaving school when I did, going back, you know, it was all part of the bigger pitches, you imagine. And mm. you can once you put your mind to what I totally believe you can do within your boundaries you mentioned there, what you want to do, you know. So yeah, long may it last. So what's next for you? Big picture. <sighs> yeah. Look, um, I think for me is keep on obviously developing in my career. I don't look at listen, I said this to a lot of people, like I've got loads to learn, Paul. Lots to learn. Like, you know, I'm I'm a year year and a half, two years in management, you know, still loads to learn there from obviously the management perspective, the skill yeah. sets as well. Um, I'd love to potentially progress my progress my career and become maybe um a director or a VP, maybe do that. But then again, it's funny because the last chat I had on my previous VP he asked me what I wanted to do and would I get the same satisfaction out of doing that as I do mm. now with helping mm. people and helping reps and I don't know. So it's at the moment it's in limbo, but definitely progress into maybe um a director position. Definitely do mm. that. And what do you need to work on in order to get that? Yeah, I think you know what, like there's lots I need to work on. Paul, like, you know, I think I can get better at my presentation skills. I can get a little bit better at my communication skills. You know, mm -hmm. I can think situational uh, behavior, like looking at that as well. And um, I think also people managing, I think I can get better at that. There's, there's lots of stuff that I kind of right. like, can get better at. Um, but what I try to do is, is try to focus on what is actually going to benefit um, me, but also my team. There's no mm. point in me doing um upskilling myself in aspects that's not gonna benefit the whole bigger picture and help us kind of be obviously get to where we need to get to from our mission or our purpose, you know. So yeah. they're the kind of things I look at. Yeah. And when you think about uh leadership resources like podcasts and books yeah. and yeah, um I don't know how much of a reader you are, some people prefer podcasts, but who influences you? What do you listen to? What do you look at or read? Yeah, great question. So the first book that I ever read to get me on, like obviously get me into the mindset, was The Monk Who Sold Ferrari. I don't mm. know if you ever read that book. Um, I have it here somewhere, actually. Brilliant. Great. Yeah. And then I read The Leadership Wisdom of the Monk Who Sold Ferrari. Read that as well. I yeah. also then uh, Think and Grow Rich, um, Eckhart Tell, The Power of Now. Like, I, yeah. I honestly... I'm only starting to get into podcasts now. I listen to a lot of yours, Paul. I think your podcasts are great. I listen to Barry Castley and uh, Michael yeah. Mahoney as well. Um, so I mix her a boat, a mixture yeah. of boats. Yeah. And um, we obviously look up to kind of the likes of, I listen to Tony Robbins as well, read yeah. his books too. Um, so all around them kind of aspects. I'm a big um, book reader in the sense of like, 
self self awareness you know um business then obviously from a personal aspect as well so anything related to do that my girlfriend thinks i should start reading sci-fi but i have to get into them books but um i'll keep on i'll keep on yeah. uh, reading the books that i have at the moment there's a there's a lot in what you're reading that seems to me to be designed to learn more about yourself rather than about say a specific job or role yeah uh, it seems to be a kind of a a sense of self-discovery I just wonder how true that is, and if so, what do you think motivates it? Yeah, definitely. I think you're you're one hundred percent right. I think when I was going on this journey, I had to kind of read them books, and them books gave me obviously the confidence and gave me kind of the as you mentioned there, the understanding. Um, and I think what motivated it was because, look, when I was going through my career, like you know, like obviously the word to be always taught was the imposter syndrome, you know, and I just like mm. for me, it was always kind of um, in the back of my head still does be sometimes um and reading these kind of books and helping myself and um, upskill my knowledge in all different areas was helping me kind of overcome that kind of aspect of thinking that it is the imposter syndrome so um that's what kind of really drove it from the aspect is that kind of part of it mm. helps you make sense of the world and your position in it Exactly, exactly, exactly. And, and I think for me, when I mentioned earlier on about, about being present and not thinking too far ahead, not thinking too far behind, then books kind of relate to that as well. You know, mm. Eckhart Tell, The Power of Now, that's obviously about being present, thinking about mm. now, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of self-development, uh, Paul. You're dead right. And I do mm. read a couple of business books as well. Like, um, mm. but yeah, they were they were my go-to on the videos. And even that, it's funny, I think I've read the monk who sold his Friday like two or three times, you know, mm. I've also, I've, I've also kind of done the secret as well. I don't know if you heard about that. The law of yep. attraction. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Curious, curious, curious your thoughts on that. And I'll, I'll share mine in a moment, but just your whole thoughts on, uh, how, oh, so I need to frame this a bit better. Mm. So when people talk about the law of attraction, some people take it literally and some mm -hmm. people see it in some sort of allegorical, metaphorical sense yeah. that it's not about, like, <laughs> and I have this with my daughter, right? So here, here's, 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 here's why this is top of mind for me is that every time she, she uh, got these or bought these tickets for a draw yeah. and the prize is a white golf. Mm. She has manifested it in her own mind that she is going to win this white golf, yeah. white golf, and it's sometime in September. Yeah. When we're out on the road, and she'll go, see, there's a white golf, see? And this is evidence in her mind. Now, to me, that has taken the whole concept of manifesting something in the universe and it will happen mm. versus what Sandler called the birdcage, which is when you talk about something that you're looking for, then it stirs something up. So if I talk about, for example, I've always wanted to do, I don't know, let's say horse riding lessons. Mm. And if I talk about this, then somebody somewhere is going to see a sign. Somebody I know, mm -hmm. uh, horse riding lessons, blah, blah, you know, starting 12th of October. And they're going to go, oh, Paul keeps talking about her writing lessons. I wonder, does he know about this? Mm. And, of course, they tell me and, and, and they give me a card and I ring them up and, hey, presto, I have these horse riding lessons. But it wasn't because I manifested something to the universe. Mm. It was because I just kept talking about it and 
just, just you know, dots get connected. And I just curious. That, that's where I am in, in yeah. that sense. But yeah. but I'm always open to persuasion yeah. and and understand things that I don't understand. So yeah. I'm just curious to know your own thoughts on it. Yeah. No. Look. Listen. I, I I totally agree with what you're saying there. But what I see is that like if you're talking about it or if you're visualizing it or you're manifesting it, like what action you're doing, that action has a ripple effect on the consequences. So I think for you there, what you said about talking about it, if you yeah. hadn't talked about it. When you're talking to someone at the moment, the way they see it is you're putting it out there. That's what they say. Yeah. Whether it be to the universe yeah. or you're putting it out there to me, you know. But what's happening mm. is then that that you that talk that you're doing is going to have a ripple effect. And the ripple effect mm. hopefully comes back around, which, it, as you mentioned there, mm. it did. But um, like one thing that I done, I don't know whether it's true or not, but when I was actually walking, when I was actually going on my journey to obviously get into textiles, one thing I always done was, it's a funny thing, I'd walk down by the Google buildings every night, Paul. Every Ooh. single night I'd walk down by there and be like, okay, I'm going to walk there, I'm going to walk there. And I believed if I visualised that. And yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm 100% with you on yeah. that, man. I think yeah. that 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 that's the highest order of visualisation you're going to get. Yeah. Now, it didn't happen, right? It didn't yeah. happen, right? Yeah, but it drove you in a direction. But what I did get and what people are saying about it is, I don't know how true it is, if you have to be specific in what it is that you want. What I actually wanted, as I mentioned at the start, was to work for a large IT global company, but I didn't say at the time mm. which one it was, and I was walking out. Yeah. So, I, look, I, I am, yeah. like, I do have, for me, I do believe in it. I'm as 80-20 yeah. in a yeah. sense of how much I believe in it. Yeah. And, um. I believe if you do put it out there, it all depends on what it is you're putting yeah. it out there, and um, you will get back. And yeah. the reason why I say that is, is like karma, for an example. Yeah. Karma will always, always, always come back in a sense yeah. of a positive or a negative. And I think, like in regards to the law of attraction in the universe, if you do put it out there, like it yeah. might not happen straight away, but you will get something back. Well, you're you're still got many years to go in your career, and I know if there was a job between Google and some other equally uh, e- equal size company, and you were offered both. I know which one you'd take. Yeah. Because in some respects, you 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 couldn't walk away from that. Yeah. Um, my nightmare right now with this whole thing is that my daughter wins this car. <laughs> but also, it would be cool if she won it because she stopped taking my car. Yeah. So, yeah. But I think I'd never hear the end of it. <laughs> if she could, if she could just manifest a Ferrari for me or something, then maybe. I, I, yeah. I'd be more open to it. <laughs> yeah. Paul, I'm manifesting the Euro millions I don't know how many years and it hasn't came back to me. Yeah. So. But I, well, and, and it's interesting. It's a wonder that you never hear people manifest world peace no. or end of poverty. Exactly. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. always it's always some personal thing and you never hear about people who don't get what they manifest. It's always the, the kind of the... Anyway, listen. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Not, it's, it's not doing any harm. No. And if it no. gives people... A sense of visualization in terms of goal setting i'm all for it 100 yeah. percent. yeah yeah uh we are coming up against time david i wanted to ask you a couple of questions just yeah. to uh help us wrap things up and uh, a couple of questions i i will typically ask most of my guests one is your house is burning down girlfriend and any pets you have may say you have are are safe uh as is your phone and computer <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah see people always do that and i say what one item would you grab and people go well my phone and I'm gonna think, that's a dumb thing to do it's all backed up to the cloud do you know what i would be happy if my phone dropped and broke and now i have an excuse to go out and get the latest one so mm-hmm. anyway anyhow 
but what one item would you run back into the house to grab yeah. if you only had time for one? Yeah. I was going to say phone, but I can't say that. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, so one thing that's very, uh, very personal to me is my, um, my mother's ashes. So I'd go back in and get them. That's what I go back and get. Yeah. I never, I, I, you know, and everything you said, and the thought went through my mind as we we're talking because mm. like, it's only 10 years ago, you mentioned, you talked about her mm. and I never knew she, she had died. I'm sorry mm. to hear that. No, no, no problem. No problem. That's one thing that I would, uh, I would get. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I understand that. That's, that's a no brainer one. Mm. Uh, yeah. That must've been tough for you mm. as an only child. Like that's, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I only know I, my, my, both my parents are gone, but I wasn't an only child. Yeah, and but I know also like my mother died there a couple, about four years ago, and and it's it's almost different because now you have no parents and you were an only child. Yeah, and you didn't. I, I don't know if you ever got to know your father because you said you were brought up she was a single parent. Um, but yeah, that's. I'm just wondering. You, you know what he was? You said you said you wanted to make her proud. Mm. yeah that's um that's a that's a that's a that's a, a wonderful goal given the circumstance that i because yeah. i didn't know it when you said yeah. it's one thing to be able to go tell them and it's another one when well you, you can talk to them but it's different mm. it's not the same yeah 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 yeah, mm. yeah. 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 that's they're that's the way i always say it is um Paul is like they're, they're always going to be there, you know. They're always there. Yeah. No what, you know, matter if you're a big family, small family, you know, and um, they'll always be on your shoulder. They'll always be looking down. Yeah, they're, they're a guardian angel now, like you know. That's the way I see. What, well, what's so powerful about it as well is that, um, by being successful, and I don't just mean in the business sense in terms of you know now I'm going to get my directorship, but just also being a good person and giving to the world there's no better way to honor their memory because they she made you who you are and therefore by living that out there's no better way to honor her memory 100 percent, yeah 100 percent. totally totally agree with you yeah. you know yeah. and that's the reason why as i said like you know other other, other people's purpose in, in life is is different you know that's that's sure. what that keeps you yeah. all the time yeah you know, yeah. um, and it helps me, as I said, like the every everything that I got, I am um, I got from myself. Like you know, treat yeah. people you want to be treated, be humble, yeah. you know, be grateful, appreciate it, and um, all that kind of stuff. You know, um, so it's all down to the upbringing that I had and the, the brilliant yeah. thing that I had for someone, as I said, um, what I said earlier on, single parent. You know, yeah, yeah, and it does it does affect you. There's no question. I remember getting. Uh, finding an article a local journalist had written in a paper in Kilkenny mm. and it was titled The Train That Wouldn't Go and it was W-O-O-D-E-N mm. and this journalist talked about actually it was his first Christmas after his father had died and he was only a child and I'm mm. going back a long time this guy's older than me mm. and he talked about this local neighbour who was who played Father Christmas in the best way possible mm. who had made with his hands a wooden train for this kid because he knew that his father wasn't there and wanted to give them a Christmas. And he mentioned that my father was, was a carpenter yeah. and he, he was the one who made the train. Yeah. And when you see that, like you kind of go in terms of values that you want to live your life by, 
those kind of things are so important. Yeah. They really are. There's no operational manual. It's all in the stories and the gestures and the deeds. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Mm. Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm going down a... <laughs> it's not morbid, but it's... Um, yeah. It's good to talk. It's good to... These things, sure. These things, these things, these obviously situations, they build character, you know, and that's how people, like, we see yeah. the good people in the world, you know, and they always have, everybody has a story, which is great, and everybody's yeah. story, everybody's story is important, and everybody's story is obviously, no matter where yeah. they come from, what they do, everybody has a story to tell, and they're yeah. all important. It's true, it's so true, and you know what, there's, there's so much that's going on in the world right now in terms of, and I'm going to, mm. I, I know this is going to upset some people, mm. But like this whole idea of privilege, that you're privileged because of the color of your skin or because of your, your, your gender. And I think so much of it is bullshit. I think you're privileged if you've got a great parent. Um, yeah. I think you're privileged if you've got great friends. Not everybody has that privilege. Mm. And if you have that, everything else is, is, is almost inc incon inconsequential awesome. because that's where you get your values from. Mm. Um, your your compass in life, mm. and and it's because it is a privilege because not everybody gets it, and that's unfair. Um, it is to me is the greatest privilege, yeah. and and there are secondary ones like where you're born, um, and being born with intelligence. Mm. Again, you know, I think you and I are reasonably intelligent people, but we did nothing to deserve it. Mm. We did mm. nothing to deserve the parents we we have. Um, that's that's privilege. Yeah, I agree with you, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Anyhow, last question for you, very briefly. Um, if there's a book written about your life, what would you like the title to be? Oh, okay. Um, about my life, I would say. Let me see here now. About my life. I think what I'd like to call it is uh, "Believe in Yourself, You Are Enough." I love that. That's powerful, man. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's a brilliant place to end it. David Martin, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been an absolute honor and privilege to have you on. Likewise. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you. Really, really appreciate it. I really enjoyed it.